0: You may have heard through the grapevine that Francis and I will soon be on the move. We're not going to another church appointment just yet, uh, so you can't get rid of us that easily. No, we're hoping to relocate to a new area and a new home soon. We've lived in Loughton for 21 years, so it's going to be quite a big wrench to move from a place that we know well. For the last 12 years, we've been in a manse that was provided by the Westminster Methodist Circuit, and we're really grateful because it's been a very happy home for us. The trouble is, the long commute into uh, Methodist Central Hall is uh, having its toll, and we felt that it was good if we could reduce the traveling time but also have a home which is better placed for the church in the long term not only for me but hopefully for future deputy superintendent ministers we're praying that uh, that purchase will soon reach completion and will go through smoothly so we're going to be in a new area in shirley and that's near east croydon station if anybody's wondering where it is It means that Francis and I will be inhabiting a new home. And when we inhabit it, we will want to make it our own. We will want to change things. We'll want to settle into that place. And we'll want to move into that new area. Moving can always be very stressful, but we're actually quite looking forward to it. We're anticipating making the place our own so that eventually we become at home there. And being at home anywhere is being comfortable and at ease in various places or situations. Kina reminded us earlier about the Homeless Jesus campaign, that we're wanting to install this statue outside Methodist Central Hall. The statue is of Jesus sleeping on a bench. It's been turned down by Westminster City Council, but we're intending to appeal. Why? Because it's a wonderfully poignant and provocative piece of art. It's been offered to us for free, but it will express our concern for the many people who don't feel at home, In London because they have nowhere to live in other words they don't feel at ease in a place or a situation it wasn't really picked up but I mentioned it a couple of times on the interviews Jesus said to his followers foxes have dens and the birds of the air nests but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head Jesus identifies with those who are on the margins of society. He came alongside those who most needed him, and he was sidelined because of it. And there are so many who don't feel at home in society because they don't have a home of their own in which they can dwell peacefully and in security. According to Shelter, In the areas surrounding the Houses of Parliament, there are 265 rough sleepers. And that's why we think it would be good to have a statue outside this place. It's a reminder to us in this wonderful building of our responsibilities and obligations to those who are homeless. The homeless Jesus can prick our consciences prompting us to care for the poor and the excluded throughout the world and not just here in London. It's interesting to remember that when God sent his Son into the world to inhabit the world, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, he was not able to make it his home or to feel at home. At the beginning of John's Gospel, we read these words. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus came to inhabit, but he wasn't at home. There was no room from Jesus from his birth. He drew the crowds during his three-year ministry, but there was soon to be a deepening plot to exclude him, to get rid of him, to crucify him. And so we come to our complex reading today. It's part of what we call the last discourse or the farewell discourses in John's Gospel run from John 1331, right the way through to 1726. And this is part of those final words to the disciples after the Last Supper and before Jesus goes to his death to his Father in heaven, as he's, if you like, squeezed out of the world that he came to inhabit. And imagine how the disciples were feeling. Jesus had predicted his death and his resurrection, but they hadn't understood. When anyone dies, whatever the reason, it is tough. It is hard, and when you know it's going to happen, it can be so painful. And they knew that the one that they loved was going to die and was going to leave them, and they hadn't really understood it all. All they knew was that their friend, was leaving them and they were grief stricken what's more if the world was going to do that to him their saviour how would they be at home in the world after he left them how would they survive wouldn't they be marginalized for being his followers or worse and at the beginning of the chapter Jesus is recorded as saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus knew how they were feeling. And then later in today's reading from John, as we prepare to think about the uh, ascension next week and then in two weeks' time, the Spirit coming at Pentecost, we begin to think about what it must be like for the disciples at that time. Now whether or not you feel at home or secure in the world, whether you feel comfortable or abandoned and hopeless, Jesus says to us, as he says to the disciples, trust in God. Trust also in me. The disciples had learnt to trust Jesus, but they were still concerned about those who might oppress them and cause them difficulty. They knew that evil lurked in the world and prowled in the world, that persecution and suffering could be before them. And there are so many times where there are things that persecute us. We face suffering in the world. And so we hear Judas' question and this passage that we have and you might want to, to look at it is the reply to a question that Judas put now it wasn't Judas Iscariot we're talking about Judas son of James a different Judas some people think it was Thaddeus we're not sure but the question goes something like this this is the Tony Miles amplified version of what we would have had in verse 22 okay Lord you've revealed yourself to us But what about everybody else? Are you going to leave them in no doubt that you are who you say you are? Is there going to be some kind of demonstration of your power? Is there going to be kind of anything for them? Because these are the ones that we're going to have to face. If we're left behind, they need to know who you are. We know, but they need to know too. Well, you know that that had been a real temptation for Jesus to demonstrate his power in that way. Uh, He told Satan what to do when that temptation came. And he resisted because he knew that death and resurrection was the actual only way. The only way for those who inhabit the world could know the truth about Jesus and receive the abundant life that he could give them was if he went ahead with what he was called to do. And so what he was saying to them is that he wouldn't return conclusively, visibly and physically, not as some people were expecting. He wouldn't do something so that all unbelievers would see. That wouldn't be to the second coming because the death and resurrection can only be responded to through trust and love. People can only discern the presence of Jesus with them in this world, the risen presence of Jesus through trust and love. That was the only way to be at home with God And the only way to be truly at home in this world, as God intended us to be. Trust and love. Friends, Jesus needs to be invited to inhabit our lives and to take up residence. Creating loving and a welcoming and a peaceful home for him and for us so i'd like to suggest three things from this passage that we can do to be at home in this world to be at home with our god and for him to be at home with us the first of all thing is to provide a loving home someone once said the warmth of any home isn't necessarily demonstrated by the heating system One of the privileges of ministry is visiting people in their homes. And in my 27 years of ministry, I've been to an awful lot of homes. I know they've been to probably more, but a a lot of homes. A huge variety of shapes and sizes and types, from the extremely rich to the desperately poor and everything in between. And I've learned that it's not bricks and mortar... That makes a good home it's not money or material things either it's love that makes us feel at home what matters is the quality of our relationships together with the strength of our familial bonds the Lord seeks a personal relationship with his disciples we are called be God's children in a relationship with him and that's why Jesus replied to Judas anyone who loves me will obey my teaching my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them we're not talking about a building here we're talking about God dwelling with us, within us and us providing somewhere in our hearts for him to dwell. What Jesus wants in response to his grace is our love and our trust. And our obedience should then flow from that love and trust. It's that kind of relationship that makes us feel at home with God, and our Lord at home with us. It's not to do with the demonstration of power. It's to do with that relationship. For we will hear our Father's words through Jesus if we are in that relationship. And if we are listening, truly listening, His words will cut to our hearts. And so if we're true Christians the character of our lives will flow out from our deepening relationship in Christ. As Jesus said, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. See, it's the opposite to what I've just said. So the question this morning is, how are we deepening our relationship with the Lord Jesus? Not just in the good times, but in the tough times too. Someone said the most essential element in any loving home is God. We Remember Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Don't allow yourself, whatever you're facing in life, to be distanced or pushed aside from the one who is the lover and the pursuer of your soul. The Homeless Christ statue says, Jesus goes out to where you are, however you're feeling, whatever your situation, and he will be alongside you, by your side. That's what he wants, but he wants us to embrace him. If you feel really abandoned, Who has moved away give Jesus a loving home in your heart and he will take up residence the second thing is as well as a loving home in your heart a welcoming home Francis and I have occasionally hosted and at home Uh, that's where you announce a time where you're ready to receive and welcome visitors and guests into your home and I'm sure uh, we'll be having one when we settle into the new manse. And uh, please don't turn up all at once, but uh, we we hope we'll have a chance where people can come and see us. But one Christmas, we had a complete and utter disaster. Because what we did was we made the mistake of sending an invite to all of our neighbours, but we did it as a PS in a Christmas card, and we didn't ask for an RSVP. The trouble is, people evidently didn't read their cards properly, or they didn't open them, or they were busy with other engagements and didn't let us know. You can probably guess what happened. Nobody, well one person turned up. (laughs) One person turned up, and that was to wish us well, but he couldn't actually join us with his family, but uh, at least he came (laughs) and went again. We felt like Billy No Mates. We laugh about it now, but it was actually a really sad time. We think we know how to do it next time. It wasn't that people didn't want to come, but they hadn't actually realized what the score was. But the fact is, if we invite Jesus to be at home with us, he will always turn up. He will always, by his Spirit, be with you. What's more, the fellowship can be absolutely great. For Jesus said, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I said to you. In other words, when we invite Jesus into our hearts and our lives, the Holy Spirit will teach us all things and will transform the situation will transform us. I've uh, mentioned that uh, Francis and I are going to be relocating. And on moving to a new home, changes are instantly made. Think of the time that you last moved into a home. You don't do it all at once, but you have to stamp your mark. And when the Spirit takes up residence in our hearts, we will be refurbished. The process we call sanctification. The Spirit, the paraclete or advocate, comes alongside us and will lead us to becoming more like Christ. We'll become holier too, not holier than thou, but more like Jesus as we draw closer to the Father. Because it's about a relationship. It's about him coming and dwelling within us and transforming us. And the spirit never gate crashes, never occupies a space like an unwanted squatter. We have to open the door and extend the invitation. This passage is, if you look through it in its entirety, is a wonderfully Trinitarian passage speaking of the transforming work of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the disciples were sensing that Jesus would be absent after his death, resurrection and ascension. But in reality, the coming of the Spirit of Christ would mean that he was present with them in a new way in a more intimate way, and they would be one with their Father. But we need a welcoming home in our hearts. So a loving home, a welcoming home, the final thing is a peaceful home. The reason I feel so much for those who are homeless is because I really believe that it is a gift to have somewhere that you can return to every day. At the end of the day, and I know that I'm blessed to be able to have that, and there are many who do not have that. But I'm very conscious of what it must be like not to be able to return home somewhere at the end of a weary day. After work, whatever time it may be, I can come home, I can flop on the sofa and chill. And within seconds, Pixie, our cat, and I didn't give her the name, it was the kids. But the cat will leap onto my lap. Well, actually, it's not my lap, it's more like my chest. <laughs> With two feet, either side. And we'll put her head to one side, and we'll purr. And I will stroke her, and she'll lick my face, and I think, what have you just been eating? But it is the most wonderful, relaxing, settling time where you feel secure and it doesn't matter what's happening in the world you are there and i think it's incredibly therapeutic and i think this is what jesus was saying the disciples need not be troubled that jesus was going to die because he would remain with them in a different way, not as he had done in the past, because he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. They don't, they're not alienated, they have a home because Jesus takes up residence in their hearts, that's where the peace comes from at the end of the day. It transcends all human understanding. It keeps our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, unafraid and undisturbed by worldly troubles. Somehow, that peace can be ring-fenced if Christ is dwelling. And it's a marked contrast to the piece, the world's work, which is often disruptive and can be experienced as condemnation and exclusion, joy-killing, life-draining. When Christ takes up residence, it's the opposite. Judas may have feared what it was going to be like, but Jesus was saying, You will find peace because you will be at home with me. And so Jesus says in John 14, My Father's house has plenty of room. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you also may be where I am. And there's an interesting thing here it's been well said that we have three homes ideally ideally a domestic dwelling ideally a church home where you can come and find peace but we have an eternal home too it was billy graham that said my home is heaven i'm just traveling through this world and this gives us a different perspective on life jesus wanted us to have that sense of ultimate security and peace in him that nothing can ever take away a heavenly home when all else fails. Jesus said if you love me you will be glad that I'm going to the father for the father is greater than I and I have told you now before it happens so when it does happen you will believe. Instead of Jesus leaving and then being sad, they should be rejoicing for something new was going to happen, the possibility of a new intimacy between people and their God, a sample of that which was to come, the glory of the new Jerusalem, to be enjoyed here and now but to go on into eternity through love, trust and open-hearted obedience. The opportunity is here for us. Will you let Jesus inhabit your heart, welcoming his spirit, embracing a peace that the world can never give us? My challenge this morning is to ask you to work at being at home with Jesus, and may he be at home with us to enable us to serve and accommodate the needs of others too. Amen.